Hey guys, ever wonder where you could see Bangkok blowguns, bed of nails, bed of blades, belly dancing, fire breathing, burlesque, chainsaw stunts, light bulb eating, Hindu belly threads, or just watch someone hammer a nail into a skull? Well, it's Freak Show Deluxe, that's where. And today, I'm so lucky to be talking to the founder and great potentate of the group, the Reverend Tommy Gunn, from his suburban home office. He's the only reverend I know who's founded his own freak show, and so this is pretty interesting. Let's talk about how he got there, his amazing day-to-day life with wife and kids, who are also talented performers in the show, and his big plans for the show moving into the future. We've only got about 30 minutes, so let's jump right in. So I'm talking with the Reverend Tommy Gunn. The titles here, I've got a couple here to cover. The Reverend Tommy Gunn, El, El Jefe or Jefe? Jefe. El Jefe. El Jefe, El Jefe. sorry. I, see, I'm El, in Canada, so El it's Jefe. French Spanish for a, uh, The chief? Uh, dude, I was just in Halifax, and, and, I, and uh, Freak Show Deluxe has koozies that say, no cerveza, no trabajo, which is, you know, no beer, no work in Spanish, which we're from Southern California, so everybody knows what that says. Nobody had any clue. I had to explain it. Yeah, yeah. I have you, to make French ones just for Canada. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you're you're the founder <laughs> and great potent potentate of Freak Show Deluxe. You're oh, also thanks. minister it's of true. the Macabre, parson of the Phantasmagoria, Cal, the apostle of the appalling, the vicar of victimization, and the venerable object of your affections, which that's that's the best for me, I think. Oh, is that the best for you? Excellent. It's all true. And also, uh, best talker on the West Coast, a title that was awarded to me a few year, a few years ago. So I, I've uh, nobody has beaten me at that yet. So that's still me. You are the founder of Freak Show Deluxe. We're a theatrical company that specializes in the classic carnival sideshow acts. So it's all the classic carny acts without that classic carny smell. Let me just read what comes from your Facebook page. Freak Show Deluxe is not a collection of glowing light or avant-garde tribal culture. It does not pretend to be immersed into otherworldly magic or marching into the stratosphere on the wings of imagination. Freak Show Deluxe is certainly not made up of outsider <laughs> artistic children who've never grown up who wish to travel upon a modern-day pirate ship. Now, you're, you're the real deal. It, it deals in flesh and blood and pain and pleasure and flame, fire, and sharp, pointy things. Is, is That kind of sums it up a bit. I mean, it's not, uh, not... Not that I have any problems with Cirque du Soleil, but it's not that. <laughs> no, it's... And um, I'll, some of those phrases were taken off of the websites for... Uh, shows that we were that we found ourselves competing with for jobs a lot, not a lot, but often enough that we all knew each other, you know. But their approach was a very yes, a very circus laugh, so very we're going to take this surreal art approach to what's happening. And we will get into. I mean, we can talk about some of my history. But when I grew up uh, as a working performer with my parents' show, and as a working actor, I mean, I look at performing as a very it's a very blue collar job. A surrounding performing is a lot of mythos that to be an artist, you need to be starving. You need to be dirty. You need to, you know, you need to set yourself, you know, you need to drink a lot. You need to do drugs. 
And it was very different for Freak Show Deluxe to say, we're not going to do those things. We're here to work, be as amazing as possible, and address things up. One of the best compliments Freak Show Deluxe has received was from a lot of the old school showmen and some of the um, old school carnies that we met, uh, especially when we did shows at the Magic Castle in Hollywood, California, which is a very famous place, of these guys coming up to me and saying, I love your show. It's exactly how everybody remembers the sideshow, but way better than it actually ever was. What's the difference between Freak Show and Sideshow? Because personally, I always saw Freak Show as encompassing you know, quote, unquote, freaks, right? Which is the natural, I guess, people with natural deformities, boards. basically. Yes. You know, yes. let's, let's not mince words. And, no, and no. then you have sideshows, which is more like maybe act-based. Uh, is that correct? Is that sort of right? Or, or is it more nuanced than that? It, it's a little more nuanced than that. H- historically, sideshows were any show off of the main stage. So if you would go to see a big event, like a circus, for example, this is, they sort of came out of the circus. There would be, you know, it's a huge event. It comes to your town. So the sideshows would set up to keep you entertained and give you something to do. Cause you know, it's a huge event. You're dressed up, you've taken the family, you know, you loaded them in the model T or in the wagon, you drove out to the edge of a field to see this big circus and the sideshows and things were all things to keep you entertained and intrigued until it was time to enter the big tent and see the big show. So sideshows didn't just compose of the, the sword swallowing stuff. I mean, we're looking at acts like, you know, glass blowing, uh, song and dance shows, bagpipers, you know, all these other things, not necessarily just freak shows, but freak shows were sideshows. Does that make sense? So okay. when you say when you say sideshow, that encompasses everything. But when you say freak show, yes, you are specifically talking about not just see human anomalies were a big part of that. But also in the freak shows to sort of offset that was also a lot of the working acts, a lot of the self-made freaks, tattooed people, that sort of thing. But also people doing amazing and astounding things uh, like sword swallowing or the human pincushion or these sorts of things that were also considered freakish and also considered anomalies of sorts. So when historically, then you're looking at and I've got a wide range of you know periodicals and books and stuff that you're really is looking in the 1970s is when the the tented freak shows really started going out of favor for a variety of reasons. You're looking at change in the you're just like a change in audience tastes, you know, uh, you're really looking at a difference of um, people saying, I don't want to look at that which is pretty common. And when you look at the history of sideshows, uh, when you look at the history of performance, circuses and everything, people's tastes change. And there are things that were a real big deal at one time uh, are suddenly not a big deal anymore. You're a real minister. I forgot to bring this up earlier. I am. I was living in California, Southern California, in near Los Angeles. And I knew all kinds, you know, punk rockers, musicians, bikers, like all these different people that I was hanging out with, I was disturbed because they didn't have anyone to minister to them. At the at the time in Southern California, the trend was for all these churches, if you were going to be a Christian or you were going to be religious, then that meant you cover your tattoos, you cut your hair, you look like all the rest of us. You know, and, and, and a lot of these cats that I was meeting who were like, wow, you're not like that. You know, you hang out with us, but when we talk about things, you have a very good perspective. And, you know, you can, you know, you don't just quote Bible at us. You can really discuss things. You were in theater, right? From the age of five on? 
Yes, my parents had a traveling theatrical show. Not doing the things that I do now, but doing other things. And, and a lot of it was very history-based. So from the time I was five, I traveled with them quite a bit. We were what I would call now 40-milers. We pretty much, I mean, we traveled more than 40 miles, but within like the tri-state area of their home, because they also worked as teachers. During the time I was getting my master's work, I uh, ended up running this theater in Ohio, a big outdoor drama that had a big haunted attraction as a fundraiser during October. And Freak Show Deluxe sort of grew out of that. Uh, you told me you did uh, some work with Fire. And then after that, you kind of moved on to uh, Human Blockhead. I guess I can sum it up as basically hammering or, or, or pushing in uh, pointy things into your nose is, <laughs> is the way I, I see it. The Human Blockhead encompasses everything, a number of aspects, but primarily it's the pounding right of a spike into the center of the skull or two and then nailing your tongue to a board. I mean, you, there's all kinds of ways you can go with it. So when you were growing up, uh, you, you did your performance there with your parents who were ultimately teachers. You did some traveling. I mean, did you turn out to be kind of a a real cool teen teenager or were you maybe more of a, a book nerd? <laughs> I would say no. Not cool. Definite <laughs> nerd geek. Cause I did, cause I did theater and music and, you know, I took piano lessons and I did theater. I uh, didn't really there because of the theater schedule for all the shows and stuff we did, there wasn't time to play sports. And also, you know, my parents were like, dad, you're not getting football or anything like that. Cause this is the money. <laughs> you know, it's the thing I tell my kids now, like you can't do something that's going to mess the face up. So I was a giant nerd and a geek, and I lived in a town where, of course, football was king. Oh, yeah. And I was a nerd, and I was this nerdy guy in music and theater and stuff like that. But what these guys didn't realize <laughs> is that, you know, there's a lot of girls in music and theater, too. Right. And I was right there for that. So not that that has made me helped anything with understanding women or relationships, because it hasn't. <laughs> but it's... It put me on better footing, perhaps. So we have you, and then mm -hmm. um, I guess the mom in the family is Miss Malice, and she also she also grew up in a performing family as well, I hear. She was doing commercials. She was doing TV work from a very young age, from, you know, four or five years old as well, uh, doing modeling, doing that kind of thing. So a, a, different ex a different experience. You know, her parents drove to her place. She did the gig. They drove her back. That was the, you know, that was the difference. Your son is Grenon the Green Monster, and he just Correct. turned 11. His, I guess, expertise right now is knife throwing, but he also does the, the bed of nails as well. Yes, and he does, some, he does some other acts, but we've been working with him, especially as a, as a comic relief, because he became, at eight years old, the world's youngest professional knife thrower. He'd had the opportunity to work, you know, through our line of work with some of the best knife throwers in the world uh, with, you know, Jack Dagger. Um, he was familiar with the work of Throdini uh, and then Dan Mink, the rhinestone roper, who we'd worked with a lot. So he became interested in knife throwing and picked it up as a skill for shows. When he was eight years old, and that was three, you know, he just turned 11. Um, he was the world's youngest professional knife thrower and really quite skilled. But uh, yes, he also does better nails. He does a variety of different like comedy acts and things like that, too. It's great. And then his sister, who is eight years old, La Pequena Arenita, Charlotte the Little Spider is hers. She does the family bed of nails act. Uh, she hula hoops. She can fit herself through a tennis, uh, like not a tennis racket, like a racket 
ball rack, like a oh, it's not, it's a little teeny tiny racket. It's not a regular size. So she racket. she's the one that you would send into the uh, into the uh, ventilation duct if uh, you're you're you know needed to get. If we were robbing a casino. Exactly. I would put her in the ventilation duct. <laughs> I don't know. There's she, al- there's always ducks involved with some of these science fiction shows, so she'd come in handy. She's been working actually with some of the contortionists and and aerialists that we work with, um, learning some of their skills and and really enjoying it. So I think in the long term, that's going to be her skill set that she continues to work on. I came across a fairly recent London Mirror feature, and it had Grennan and his sister uh, Charlotte in it. And uh, mm-hmm. he was talking about how Grennan was uh, throwing knives at, Char- at, not at Charlotte, obviously, but at targets around Charlotte. Earlier before this interview, I showed my wife the video of, um, of Grennan um, throwing these knives around you uh, as well. Oh, yes. It's on your Facebook mm-hmm. page. And my wife just cringed. And uh, I-, I just found this part of the interview funny. So it says, Mom Alice said, I'm nervous when they do the tricks, but... I have total trust in Thomas, that'd be you. I see how great he is as a teacher, and the kids have total trust in him. I'd be more nervous if Grennan were to play American football or Charlotte were to become a cheerleader. And I, I totally agree, actually. Uh, uh, football's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's very, it's very dangerous. And that said, the most uh, injuries that happen in sports in the United States happen to cheerleaders. Really? Uh, and Alice had Alice had been a cheerleader in, in award-winning cheerleading troops when she lived in Florida and stuff. So you know she knows that deal, and she was like, "Yeah, it's a, it's, you know, it's very risky. The possibilities for injuries are very high." What we like about having the kids in the act is the control that we have over it, and how much they look out for each other. We were doing a show in, I think it was Memphis, Tennessee. It was probably you know 100 degrees in the shade. You know, we were at a fair. We've been doing shows all day. And Grennan started throwing the knives and he was just, you know, he threw a couple and he threw the targets that I held. And then usually his sister comes out and he threw a knife and it didn't hit where he wanted. He threw a second one. It didn't hit where he wanted. And he was like, this isn't happening. I'm done. He's like, I can't, I can't do it. And I was like, sorry, like, sorry, folks, he's not feeling it. So he's, you know, we, he's, he's putting the welfare of his sister first. I never heard so much applause. You're at every mother and father just do like, Oh my gosh, thank goodness. That's uh, true. Huh? At first, oh yeah. At first I was thinking, Oh, that's too bad. You know, maybe he should persevere, but that's not the sort of act you want to do. Uh, if you're just half with it. Right. Exactly. Hello listeners, my name is Jeff Kowalski and I'm the host of Creepypasta, the Creepypasta podcast. It's a podcast where I invite two special guests to talk about virally distributed horror stories from around the far, dark corners of the internet. Are these stories true? Probably not. Listen to us at weaponizedlanguage.com or funtimes.online. When it comes to uh, your kids, I mean, uh, I I guess there might be this sort of idea that maybe a carnival atmosphere might not be the best for them um, because it might be too adult or maybe there might be the wrong kinds of people, quote unquote, that kind of thing. 
Like, uh, it, it, did you ever run into these attitudes? And also, did you ever like, I mean, have they ever gotten into any shenanigans yet? Or maybe this is yet to come as they get older? You know, I mean, the day my daughter came home from the hospital, we had a show at a bar. So they had a baby at a bar at a show. We'd set my son up at that same show. We had set my son up with an open tab and Shirley Temples at the bar. To which at, at some point during the show, he had run away from the bar. And you can see on the video of like our like our girls chasing him through the crowd to run up on stage and be with me during the during the stage, uh-huh. which was hilarious, which was hilarious. Uh, you know, unintentional hilarity, you know, ensued. You know, the thing is, and we've tried been trying to portray to the kids of like, this is our job. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah, there's carnival rides and game stuff. And we find times to do all that stuff. But also being like, this is also our workplace. So, and they hang out with other kids who do carnival stuff, you know, some of the other kids at some of the other shows and have gotten along well, but uh, for the people running families, like at fairs and festivals who are there with their family show, and we know several people who have family shows, you know, it's a, it's very strictly regulated. There's still school, there's still stuff, you know, we keep our kids in a regular school and it's not like we just do our show and then turn them loose on the world. Um, so we keep, you know, we keep, you know, their time pretty strictly regulated, but we've had some great times too. Like, uh, Freak Show Deluxe does amusement parks as well, uh, especially during Halloween time for big haunted attraction events. And, you know, a couple, a couple of years ago, we did a park and the kids, the kids got to do a week cause they had a, 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 like a fall break. We were living in an apartment inside the amusement park. Really? So, oh yeah, they totally set up. It's so awesome. And we were allowed to, you know, get out at night. I mean, the park itself was only open on the weekend for the shows, but we could go out and be in the park and stuff. And I mean, you know, that was the best time ever for them. (laughs) You know, they're getting this great experience of being in this amusement park at night and like getting flashlights and exploring. And I taught them to drive golf carts, like drive through the amusement park. I mean, you know. They were practicing carnival games and stuff like that. I, you know, those are the these are the fun times of getting to hang out with them that we get to that we get to do. Maybe it's just me, but I think it could be more prevalent than just me. Um, I I have some baggage from my youth where maybe I was told this by someone or at some point that uh, carnival workers they're they're bad news. The idea of raising a kid in the carnival or carnival like environment automatically triggers this like feeling of of uh freakiness in in me uh which based on what you tell me based on what i found on the website and also based on the fact that i mean you guys they go to school i'm I'm seeing on your facebook this this like really mundane like uh you know suburban uh layout right and you know not, not grungy at all right you know, right. so so really, I guess what I'm getting at is that like people who might be listening to this podcast, they might have this idea, oh, a freak show. Uh, these 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 guys have kids. Oh my goodness, what kind <laughs> of environment is this? You know, but in which it, it but based on what you've told me, uh, it's a um, it's like a family, and you have like families of families, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. With Freak Show Deluxe, and of course, the kids have grown up with most of the, you know, with most of the members that we have, is 
unlike some people who give the lip service to this, because it takes so long to become a member and, you know, to, to do things. And we really look out for people, you know, the, the benefits of membership in Freak Show Deluxe, you know, we help people with their private lives, with lawyer things, you know, with entertainment. I mean, with their, as much as they, you know, you get in, you get out of it as much as you put into it. You know, we've been called a gang. We've been called all this other stuff too, because we really look out for each other. And that's, you know, the deal. We don't want our kids hanging out with the wrong kind of people. So we're very picky about who we choose. I'm sure the wrong kind of people are out there. As, as it, Oh, but... absolutely. But I mean, historically, this the fear of the fear of the carny and of the traveling show was also the, you know, that sort of small town mentality, which even big cities, like I lived in LA for years and in LA, which is this unbelievably huge city, you find your small town within it. You know, you have your neighborhood that's your neighborhood, your stores you go to, your restaurants, people you see on the street and know all the time. You know, I mean, that's normal human, you know, interaction, you know? And I mean, there's people in New York, you know, who've never left their neighborhood. Right. There's always, I think, been a distrust. And I think this is a, you know, this is a general distrust of people who travel. And you'll look at the distrust of gypsies, of travelers, the, you know, the tinkers, if you want to use the Irish stereotype, you know, of some of these others, there is this distrust of people who don't have roots, who aren't set down. And so because you don't know these people and suddenly they're in your town doing stuff and you don't under, and that not understanding of their lifestyle or how they, how can they possibly live without a house and a this and that? Because there's plenty of ways to, you just don't know because you haven't experienced it, you know, or you choose to live in ignorance, which in this day and age is sort of, if that's the way you feel about stuff, you're, you're choosing. There's plenty of information out there for you. It, that sort of, you know, carnies are bad people thing is sort of a lot of that is cropped out of that. Not saying that they're all perfect or any stretch, but especially in the modern carnival, you know, the because that business has changed in the modern carnival. The paying off of people and stuff is not what, you know, it's not the kind of thing that happens anymore. You know, some of that distrust of carnivals as being sneaky people and stuff. Well, that was also because your local law enforcement was so totally corrupt. They were shaking them down for money every chance they got there is a variety of things psychological and sociological that lead into that not that i you know but there's still like every community there's good people and bad people and you know some of them are drunks and some of them aren't and some of them are great and some of them will just soon steal the you know the pack from your back you know take your shirt before you could realize it Tell me a little about what the goals are for Freak Show Deluxe moving forward. We've been developing a show. The professor actually has been working on it. Um, he, a friend of his found a record album at a swap meet called How to Do Sideshow for Fun and Profit. It's the only copy. He's been researching it. We've made that into a performance where that record plays. We invite you know, a member of the audience to come up on stage and try to follow along with the how-to album um we've had a production of our own musical written by daniel hopkins who's a phenomenal performer who's also did the freak show deluxe theme song and a freak show deluxe album uh, that's available on our website freakshowdeluxe.com you can get off of there um from brother daniel the black sheep called here come the freaks that uh, we use some of that music in the shows and it's a it's a standalone album but it ties in with freak show deluxe we composed an entire musical called flawedville uh, he did the songs and lyrics, and then I wrote the the script, and we collaborated on that and and put it on a few years ago, and it was a great performance. We've really been looking to mount that production again. Uh, and then we've been working on a on several other shows. You know, they're theatrical shows, and they use a lot of the elements of the sideshow in it, but they're 
you know, they're great shows and they're great performances. And of course, Freak Show Deluxe still performs, you know, our classic shows like the 10 and 1. And we still do concert events, biker events, all this stuff. You know, we do all of these kinds of things constantly year round, plus providing for television and movie. I mean, it's it's a lot. Uh, and my goal, my looking forward with this company is that even after I step away, that it will continue forward and continue producing, uh, that it'll bring out a whole new crop uh, in sort of the, you know, where there was the golden age of sideshows. And then there was sort of the silver age, which was the Jim Rose, you know, the golden age when sideshows were king across the United States on fairs and midways across the United States. Then the Silver Age, which is sort of the Jim Rose era, and it sort of came back. And now that's faded off. I don't know if we want to call it the Bronze Age at the moment, but we're working towards it. That you know, Freak Show Deluxe continues to emerge as a leader in the field uh, of what's going on and takes a lot of these new performers and turns them into the great, you know, pushes them forward into becoming the great performers of the future. Our viewer, our listeners rather, can go to freakshowdeluxe.com. And mm -hmm. uh, that is where you can click on the booking link and that'll take you to a form where you can fill it out if you want to have uh, Freak Show Deluxe perhaps uh, perform at an event. Or, you know, you want to ask a question, you want to find out more. On our page, too, is all the links to all the social media that we do. Um, you know, through Facebook, your Twitter, the blog, it's getting better. If you go to Amazon.com as well, uh, you've got a book. Uh, it's uh, See You on the Back Lot. It's a fictional account. It's all told from the first person of the guy who's experiencing it, uh, telling it to a friend. And you're his, you know, you're his friend. Um, and it's it's a fictional book that's filled with real stuff. You know, the structure of the shows and the, you know, because shows happen and acts and you know, and then, the, you know, the behind the scenes stuff, a lot of that, while it's sort of it is put together in a fictional manner, you know, a lot of it's very true stuff. You know, the slang he's using. And again, it's on Kindle for cheap. And I understand you can buy used copies of the book, you know, pretty cheaply, too. Definitely. I, and uh, I'll be putting a link to the Amazon.com again. This is See You on the Back Lot. Oh, it's a it's a, a book mm -hmm. by the Reverend. And uh, so. Thanks so much for being on the show. When it comes to the book, I think I'm going to have to have you on the show again because I'm going to get pick myself up a copy and give it a read. And we're going to have to talk about that again <laughs> and cover some of these, uh, some more fascinating and interesting stories about uh, what happens in uh, the everyday workings of a, uh, of a freak show. Absolutely. Anytime. Well, that's all for this episode. I hope you enjoyed the interview. I know I learned a lot. Remember, you can go to shareslicepodcast.com slash iTunes to be redirected to our iTunes profile. There you can rate the podcast or leave a review. Please do this. It will bring you good fortune for sure. You can also subscribe to this podcast by clicking on the subscribe links at our website. If you think you're interesting enough to be on the show or know someone who is, please don't hesitate to contact me at shareslicepodcast.com slash contact. Remember, the intro music for this episode is by Chromatics Music, K-R-O-M-A-T-I-K-S, and it's used with permission. You can find them over on SoundCloud. Outro music is Here Come the Freaks by Brother Daniel and the Black Sheep. You can find a link to purchase that in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you'll be back next time. Become the freaks now. Watch them go. He pounds a nail straight up his nose. Just look at this 
joint now, the house is full The came to see him making a whole lot bowl Here come the freaks now, watch them play He sticks the needle right through his face Well don't you sit there down on your ass Stand up, a lady's here, she's walking on glass This is the show you came to see You bought the ticket, you paid the fee This is the show you came to view Now what do you suppose he's gonna stick that sword? She got a hammer and a bed of nails She came to see the crowd screaming well <laughs> This is the show you came to see You bought the ticket, you paid the fee This is the show you came to view Show you came to see